What's up, everybody? Thank you so much again for tuning in to the I Choose series podcast. On this next episode, we interview Chris Felice. Chris Felice is a criminal investigator for a sheriff's office in New York State. He started working specifically in family services back in 2016. Now, this episode was originally recorded from our Facebook Live on January 10th, 2019. I'm very grateful to share this episode with you today, and I hope you enjoy. I can, I can tell you a little bit about my career and what I do. Uh, I, I'm a criminal investigator for a sheriff's office here in New York State. Uh, I've been working as a, as a police officer since 2004. Um, I did eight years in, in patrol, doing patrol work, uh, before I transitioned into uh, investigations. And since 2016, I've been assigned to a, a unit uh, that, that works family services. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at in my career. I work on any cases that um, involve kids, um, whether it's uh, you know juveniles that are getting into you know, trouble or headed down a path that um, you know isn't good, but I also work with any um, child victims. Uh, I work uh, with any victims of domestic violence type um, crimes. So, yeah, so that's my career. Um, but I, I, I've been on this, uh, this run of uh, what I call taking off the jacket. And, uh, and what taking off the jacket to me is, is how far too often we allow uh, what we do for a career or a job to uh, be all that we are. And so in taking off the jacket, uh, who are we beneath that? So what, uh, what, that what do you mean by that? So let's, what do you mean? Like, let's go a little bit deeper. So I, I, I love where you're going here. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. I, I had this realization. Uh, I, I, I ran into some people that I went to high school with. Um, actually, went all through school with them. Uh, I, I live in a smaller community, uh, so, but I hadn't seen these people in 20 years. And um, within about five minutes of, of having a conversation with, with each of them, I, I could have told you their whole life story only about their jobs and uh, you know this is what I do for work I have two children and I've been married for you know 12 years yeah. and that was really kind of it and to to break through that to that personal connection uh, rather than just contact uh, was really tough and so I got thinking about that and that you know far too often when we when we meet people, uh, you know, the question comes up of, you know, what do you do? And that tends to be what steers the direction of your whole uh, communication with them rather than truly connecting with somebody. You know, I got to tell you, um, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, I'm, I'm a married man now. I have children of my own. I'm a family man. 
but you know, back in the day, I remember I was uh, I was in the city, lived in Brooklyn, and I went on a you know went on an adventure with some of my boys and sit down sit down next to this uh, this young lady, and you know trying to strike up a conversation. The first words out of my mouth are, "So, what do you do for a living?" You know, and she looks over at me and she's like, "You right. know, that's such a boring way to start. Forget about what you do. Forget about what I do." Let's talk about some things that we're really interested in. And, you know, she kind of struck me in a, in a really good way very, very quickly. But I never forgot about that, you know. And um, I, just, I just think that you're like, I love what you're saying because I feel that, you know, we, we kind of only get, we only touch on the surface of, you know, human beings, what we are, what, what it is that we do. Um, and we kind of box ourselves in based on that. You know, but if we go deeper, if we if we take an opportunity, we take a minute to really sit down and go deeper. I think that the, the biggest risk is that that requires us to listen to each other. <laughs> so it's really easy to ask the candid questions of what do you do? Because then the response, well, I know because, you know, I'm working this job and this is what I do. And we have a conversation and it feels right. But we don't really get anywhere. Um, and. I don't know. I mean, do you think that people are sometimes afraid to get to know people? What do you think? What do you think it is? I think that, you know, I think that we become so consumed by, you know, the work that we do, uh, that that's yeah. an easy way out. And, and it gets in the way of that, that true human connection. And I think that when we can connect with people, um, we know that we're going to, we're going to, it's somebody, you know, if you meet somebody that you usually can tell pretty quickly, if it's somebody that you're interested in really having a conversation with, um, and you know, that connection is pretty, pretty quick. You kind of, um, you can see where that relationship's going based on even your first contact. But a lot, a lot of times, um, I don't think people are, well, you know, yeah, people I think do get afraid to, to really uh, go deeper. Uh, people are scared mm -hmm. to be vulnerable uh, with, with other people. Um, but at the same time, I think it's an easy way out. Um, and everybody wants yeah. to impress, right? Uh, so, I mean, I can say, you know, I've been, I've been working, uh, you know, as a police officer for the last 15 years. And I, before that, I did this. And, you know, it all sounds great. Uh, but is that all that I am? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, when, uh, when we invite people to come on the guest, that's my first question. Tell me a little bit about yourself. And um, the first words out of everyone's mouth is basically what they do, <laughs> um, right? Which is interesting because. Right. So I didn't tell you the other piece of. I said I didn't tell you the other piece of who I am. I told you though. Well, I can start and tell yeah. you what I do for a career. Um, you know, because there is so much other. Uh, you know, I'm so much more than just a, a, a police officer that investigates crimes yeah. against children. That's got to be know? tough, though, too. I mean, I know things changed for me once once I had kids. And, um, 
I don't know, man. I don't really do well with uh, crimes against kids, you know? Well, most people don't. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really passionate about the work that I do uh, because it's where I, I've, it's where I feel I can make the mm -hmm. biggest impact um, because kids are vulnerable. Um, but they're also uh, true victims. Not that, not that adults can't be a true victim, but, um, you know, with, with children, a lot of times, especially when a, a child is a victim of a crime, um, they, usually it's not, they're not perpetrated against by a stranger, you know? So they don't have the support systems and they don't have a lot of times uh, – the the means to move towards yeah. healing uh they they don't have the ability to protect themselves and so it's where where i've always felt that can make the greatest impact uh and really kind of you know do everything we can to, to get services in place uh for that yeah. child movie. And forward. you know, I mean, I, I love, I like, you know, in this show, it's all about being real, being transparent, being vulnerable, um, saying how we really feel, saying what we really think, because I think that people hide behind masks and stuff. And so, like, I do want to challenge you on that because I feel that, um, I feel that, like, man, you know, the, the system has got a bad rap. It's got a bad rap. Like, before I worked in film, uh, way back in the day, I worked as a case manager in New York City. And so I've, you know, I've been to every projects in, uh, in Brooklyn, um, some of the Bronx and Queens. And, um, you know, that part of my job was meeting the families and working with young kids who, who were felons, um, ages 16 to 21, who have, you know, fallen down the wrong path. And I have to tell you that, um, that it was an eye-opening experience for me working in that field, because I feel that I went in with the best intentions and then you know, not to put anything, not to put anyone down or anything like that, but I feel that um, I saw things happen that kind of put me off a little bit. You know, I heard stories from from the other side um, that, you know, about how kids, you know, these kids, 16, 17, 18 years old, were treated by the system um, for small things, you know, and not mm -hmm. having the support at home, uh, then not having the support from the system. It's hard for me, you know, to, um, and again, I, I love, I love kids and I know that some of them are definitely, uh, not angels, <laughs> especially some of these 16, 17 year olds. I get it. But, um, but I feel that some mm -hmm. of these kids have been betrayed not only by their families and their friends, but by the system. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be. A person that will disagree with you on that um, because I think that things things haven't always been yeah. the best they could be um, and I can tell you that I'm very fortunate uh, to be doing what I do uh, within this unit because it's supported by the administration where I work yeah they believe in it uh, you know, the unit hasn't always um, been around in the form that it, that it currently is. Uh, I work very closely. I, ha I have a partner, uh, 
so there's there's two of us that work and we're in a smaller county uh, but uh, my partner Mel we you know we we're very fortunate to be able to focus so much of our time on these cases because it before we had this unit, I worked in investigations before mm -hmm. this unit was formed. Uh, and I, so I, I did work, um, you know, these same types of cases, but in a mixture of all the other work that I did as well. So it was really hard to shift gears, I think, to be, uh, get to a point where you really, uh, you know, we can be, good at a lot of different things but it's hard to be great at a lot oh, totally. of different things you know and uh, so it has allowed us though to build relationships with all these other agencies as well uh, we do a lot of outreach outreach work we do a lot of work with different organizations that provide services to juveniles and to kids um, and you know as time moves forward I think that, you know, we're moving in the right direction, even for those 16, 17 years old, you know, 18 year olds, uh, because I, mean, I don't know if you're aware of the, the changes in the law that, that have uh, occurred, actually October 1st, the new law went into effect mm -hmm. to raise the age, uh, which raises the age of criminal responsibility uh, for, you know, it, before October 1st, once you turned 16, you could be yeah. charged as an adult yeah. in, in New York. And uh, so with that came all of the same treatment that an adult would get if yep. they committed a crime. And so there's been this big push to increase those ages because, I mean, let's face it, and there's, there's probably a lot of police officers out there that will disagree with me, uh, but... Uh, I don't care about that because I do believe that the, the legislation uh, in spirit is a, is a good idea. So October 1st of 2018, the, the age raised from 16 to 17. So now if you're uh, 16 years old, you, you, you can still be uh, charged, but you'll be charged as an adolescent offender, uh, which basically all the juvenile uh, stuff yeah. attaches to that. So you're not, you, you, you'll, you'll never set foot in a, in a, in a, a jail. Um, it's the, 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 the program is more based on um, changing the changing, you know, creating a change for that person um, and to try and get them back on track because we know that, you know, once a, a kid enters into the system, uh, usually once a kid goes to jail, chances yeah. are they're going to be back there. Um, so that's been a good thing. Uh, October 1st of 2019, the, the age will go up again. So that'll encompass 16 and 17 year olds. Uh, so, you know, They'll basically yeah. be considered. And a I have to tell you, in my experience, Which... you know, as as a case as a caseworker, um, you know, these 16, 17 year olds, I mean, yes, by age, I saw 16, 17 year olds. I saw 
grown men physically. Um, but a lot of the kids I was working with mentally were stuck at a much earlier age. And jail was not the answer. You know, these were these were not these were kids who were who were really mixed up because they did not have the support that they needed. The environment that they were brought up in um, encouraged the behavior that they fell into. And I, I, I'm not blaming other people. I believe that we're all responsible for our own choices. Hence, this whole thing is called I choose. However, you know, if you're, you know, third or fourth generation, you know, welfare and you, you know, have never been taught, you know, that education is important and, you know, uh, getting a job for $10 an hour or $15 an hour when you could be selling drugs on the corner, making, you know, a couple of grand for the weekend, um, you know, it's all upside down. It's all mixed up. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I can, I can tell you, um, you know, I think that jurisdictionally, um, you, you know, depending on your area, um, you know, your downstate New York city, um, there's, you know, the, the, the dynamics are a little bit different. But there's some things that don't change. Um, I mean, let's let's face it. At 16 years old, are you uh, is, is your are your cognitive abilities there to make good, healthy choices, or to make choices that you know and truly have a full understanding that this is going to impact my life no, when I'm 25? Not. And you know, we we had this conversation last so, week when Melissa and I were talking. And, you know, there was this idea of, you know, putting yourself in a box, even even if you come from a healthy background, as an 18 year old, you don't want to be deciding what your 55 year old person is going to be, because when you get to 55, you're going to look back at this young kid and say, I don't want this kid deciding my future. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's right. what growth right. is, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, so let me ask you a question. And I think this is important. I want to know, and I'm sure people who are watching this why did you get into this? Why do you do what you do? <laughs> uh, you know, there was a long time where I, where I really wasn't sure why I chose this path. And, uh, you know, I can, I can tell you that you know, when I was when I was a teenager, if you would have said, you're going to be a police, and, and this actually goes right along with what I just said, you know, 16, thinking about what you're yeah. going to do when you're 25, right? Uh, when I was a teenager, you could have said, you are going to be a, become a police officer, and before you're, you know, the end of your career, you're going to work in, in this area doing that. I, I, would, I would have laughed, uh, because at that time in my life, I didn't... I, Personally, I didn't give it a thought about be becoming a police officer. Um, but, you know, looking back over time, I can, I, I can see why I, I ended up where I'm at. Um, and I think it goes back, well, I, I know it goes back to, you know, when I was, when I was younger, when I was, when I was a kid and different experiences, you know, growing up. I think that there's all kinds of points 
that have steered me to um, exactly where I'm at now today and what I'm doing. Um, so, you know, experiences of, you know, people close to me being yeah. victimized by adults, um, you know, and, and, and I think that that kind of really was the starting point. Uh, but, but moving forward, I mean, there's all kinds of uh, things, you know, and then when I've done, when I've taken on jobs and different opportunities with my uh, career in law enforcement, when I've said yes, I haven't known why. <laughs> you know, sometimes I've walked away saying, what did I get myself into? Um, but, but it's all brought me to this point right now where I'm at. And uh, you know, the I guess really looking back, um, it's because kids are so vulnerable. Um, you know, I have I won't go into details, but I, I mean, I have some people in, in my life that are very close to me that were brutally victimized as children. Um, I, I have somebody very close to me that was kidnapped uh, and thankfully uh, she, she was located and rescued uh, as a child. Um, but I also have had all kinds of, you know, other experiences too. Um, from, you know, even with just different emergency stuff, uh, because I did, I did work in EMS and, uh, you know, on an ambulance before I got into law enforcement and did some, you know, firefighting stuff. And so to pinpoint one reason or one thing I think is impossible for me, uh, I've drugged the answer to this question out, I think, probably about three or four minutes now. <laughs> but um, all in all, it's all of these little inflection points throughout life that have got me to where I'm at. So let me ask another question then. If not, you know, I know that there's, there's a ton of reasons you said why you got into this field. How do you do what mm -hmm. you do? As a human being, you know, um, I'm sure that some of the stuff that you witness, um, how do you do it? You know, you do, you do this. You, I can't tell you that this work is easy because it, it is some, some of this stuff is things that nobody should ever have to see or, or, or hear about or deal with. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, people will say, you know, how, how could you interview this person, um, after they've done something so horrible or, uh, you know, somebody has to do that work and to, uh, to act on emotion doesn't help anybody. Uh, so physically, how do I do it? I keep the end goal, you know, in, in mind as we're going through the stages. Um, and I, and I know that it's for the greater good. And I know that, um, you know, 
a lot of times things are very tough for, you know, things are very tough for the victims in these cases. But um, I also know that, you know, there's going to be a lot of people out there in their adult lives, I hope, uh, that will see maybe me as that inflection point, that turning point in their life, that, that, that person that believed in them, the person that, you know, did what they could to help them and, and uh, you know, bring them to Yeah, and place. I would have to agree with you. I think that, um, you know, I think that people like you who understand that there's, you know, this, there's good and evil in the world here, you know, and you're, you've, you've made a decision where you're going to, you're choosing to be the good guy, even though in the system that you work within, there are still bad people, you know, um, but you have made like a single choice, an active decision that like you want to be, you know, the beacon of hope or the beacon of light for an individual who needs you. And that encouragement, you know, I think comes from a deep place of love. I'm very, very curious to know, like, where this comes from and why you have these desires inside. You know, you mentioned a lot of things about, you know, different people that you know that were close to you that didn't have somebody that was, was taken advantage of. And I want to know, where is it in you, Chris, where you feel that you need to be the superhero? You know, and I mean that respectfully. I don't mean that in like a, you know, but I believe that like, you know, yeah. as, as human beings, like, you know, what, di what differentiates the superhero from the, the ordinary person is, is that taking that one extra step, you know, it's not flying, <laughs> you know, it's just that one extra step um, that makes a difference in someone else's life. You know, I have to, You're digging into me, I gotta man. I got to go there, man. I'm not a psychologist. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, my, I love talking to people. And I've been working in documentaries and yeah. films. And I've been to terrible places all over the world and talked to people about terrible things, um, all with the goal of inspiring and, and telling people stories. And so I'm curious to know why it is that you, you know, why it is that you, you really want to do this, you know? Well, I guess to, to answer that, I have to really dig a little bit, peel back those layers a little bit more than, I, I can't give you a generic answer of, um, no, that's, you know. No, that's a different Facebook it's line, the, it's the, this is real. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, the... You know, it's it's a place that I can make an impact. It's a, I've said that it's a place where I can really change the course of direction for uh, some people. Um, but it's it's also. Out of desire to do things, you know, yeah. maybe better. Um, not that, you know, not that we 
not that you know this type of casework is being done wrong or intentionally i mean intentionally in a way that wouldn't be beneficial uh or the or the the, the most victim focused i guess but to to want to want to create a better way of doing this um so that it's not only more effective um, in the long run on the criminal, uh, in the enforcement end of things, but on a, a, on a victim-centered point as well. Uh, and, you know, not any, not just anybody should be working on these cases. Absolutely. I truly believe that uh, if if it's something that you can't do, you should tap out before you get yeah. started, uh, because you can make the situation so much worse. And it's it's little, you know, it's little things. Uh, you know, and I can't say that I've always done um, things the best way. I learn new ways of doing things all the time. I'm always learning. Uh, the, the way that we work these cases has changed uh, even since, since I started in investigations in 2012. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, you have to be focused on the victims in these cases. Yeah which is different than like property crimes. Okay. We'll say, um, you know, somebody, somebody who's a, who gets, who's just for an easy example, somebody whose car gets stolen out of the driveway <laughs> is much different. I mean, they're still a victim. They've still been victimized. Somebody still has, um, uh, you know, crossed that personal line with them, but it's very different than the victim of a, we'll say a sex, a sexual abuse or a yeah. sex assault yeah. type case. And you have to do this for the victims. Yeah, man. I mean, look, um, for everybody who's just tuning in here, you know, we are speaking with, um, with Chris, it's Felice, right? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Chris Felice. Yes. And we are talking about, you know, why he does what he does. You know, Chris has made a choice here where um, he's one of the good guys and he's going out on a limb every single day and working with young victims um, who've encountered uh, a variety of different violations. Is that a, is that proper to say that? Yeah, it, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it, 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 Anything, any time that you could think of where a child would come in contact with law enforcement, you could count me in. Like I probably, if you're, you know, within my jurisdictional area, uh, at some point I'm going to, I'm going to be involved there. So here's a question somewhere. for you. And I, I, you know, I mean, this may, this may come across sound a little facetious. I hope not. Um, but being in your line of work and seeing how many you know, young people are in a crisis state. 
is it easier for you to digest all the adults around us who are constantly screwing up? Because you know that a percentage of them, even though you didn't work on their case, um, statistics show that we have a lot of older people who are dealing with a ton of issues, who have not dealt with them, um, who have been a victim, and who are just kind of like, you know, regurgitating and passing on, you know, the drama that they've encountered. Um, and on a wide scale, when we take a look at the population, uh, I would say a, a certain percentage of them, uh, you know, turns to different outlets, uh, specifically, you know, drugs, alcohol, abuse of others, anger, all of those things, which is really just a cycle for, um, for waste, you know, it's a cycle for, for waste until, until they're able to come out of that and kind of either accept what's happened and or deal with what's happened. Yeah, you know, one of the biggest parts of any, first of all, to answer your question, I don't wonder why we have, you know, why we see so many adults with, with problems that we're seeing, uh, because the approach has changed over time, right? So I can tell you, 25 years ago, you know, a, a child that was a victim of, of a crime committed against them, um, they didn't, they weren't so concerned with making sure that child had services, uh, counseling services, different treatment, you know, what's the plan here that, you know, how are we going to um, make sure that this kid is getting counseling? How are we going to, you know, this person can't financially, doesn't have a financial ability to get counseling. They don't have transportation. They don't have a support system at home to say you don't feel like going but you really need to go and here and we're going together you know 25 years ago that would have been totally different it would have been that you know that child being brought to the police station to tell somebody a very personal account of uh, something that that happened to them and then they would have to you know do complete a deposition or a, a statement, uh, and then they would yeah. be sent out the door. Yeah. Whereas now, the way we do things, uh, we have a multidisciplinary team, so we get people from all the different service organizations that are that would have uh, a part in uh, whether it's victim services. Um, you know, to, to support that person, you know, through the court process, um, you know, child protection services to get somebody in the home to make, to see what's going on and, and where systems can be improved yeah. in the home. Um, counseling services, uh, you know, we take all of those different organizations or all of those people and we get them together to figure out what the best plan for this mm. person is. Yeah, it's a different so, world today. 
It is. It is. So we're and that's, progress, like I said, though, a lot of things. We're, we're making progress. Um, you know, we're getting, we're getting better. Um, and, and that approach that I was just saying with, you know, the, with the team mentality is much better for a victim. Instead of having to tell their story over and over and over again, you know, now they, they have to tell it one time during an interview. And anybody that needs to be a part of that is observing that in real time. So it eliminates the, 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 the child from having to be, you know, face that trauma over again. Um, you know, and, and when they do, we have victim services there to support them through that process yeah. within the place. So let me ask you a question, Chris, you know, because I, um, I, you know, after, after we do these Facebook Lives, I usually put them right up, broadcast them, and sometimes I'll cut them up into little pieces and share share that because not everyone's watching the whole 40 minutes or hour that we do on these. Um, so I try to take some of those best moments when I have the time and, and edit them and put them together. Um, I guess one question would be is that for part of the reason that we're doing these Facebook lives is because we know our reach, you know, we know that we can reach people. Um, our whole entire campaign and what we stand for is reminding people that they're the lead in their life story that no one, you know, that don't allow mm -hmm. other people to be the lead, be who you were created to be for somebody who's in a situation, a younger person, maybe who's facing some difficulty, who is struggling, um, who is, who is up against the wall, who's basically been taken advantage of, who doesn't have the support system. Where do they go? Well, you know, it, I mean, specifically it would depend on where, where you're at, but I would say that a good place to start would be, I mean, if you, if you're a young person that's still in school that has uh, a, a school resource officer available to you. Is that you. like a guidance counselor? Um, uh, well, a, you know, a school resource officer is something that, you know, it's not brand new. It's been, you know, but it's an officer that is within the school that can act as kind of a liaison. They're, they're kind of bridging that gap between, um, you know, the schools and the kids and the schools and law enforcement. You know, so they're really a liaison person, but they're a police officer that's trained and, uh, you know, how to work with juveniles. They also would have all the contacts to get the ball rolling to get some services um, for you. Let's say there's an older person who's been suffering from some kind of abuse. Um, what's the best and most direct route for somebody to go from being in danger to being safe? Well, you know, the, that's, a, that's actually, and I didn't talk about that, but, um, you know, that's another function of the family services unit where I work is uh, crimes against the elderly. Um, but, you know, if you are an older person, I would say that 
there there's some fantastic um, advocacy groups out there uh, that can help you get services uh, in in the local area where where I am, which is in the Finger Lakes. Uh, there's there's a group uh, called Safe Harbors of the Finger Lakes. They're a phenomenal group of victim advocates, and uh, you know they do a lot of domestic violence advocacy work. Um, you know, there's another organization out there called Lifespan, and they do elderly advocacy work. Um, you know, so there are services and options available. And I would just say, if at all possible, you, you know, you need to ask yeah. for help. Because a lot of times, a lot of times, you know, people don't know yeah. that you need help. Um, you know, I can tell you that, you know, we, you know, my, my partner and I, we review case files and we review domestic violence incidents and we, re we review all those reports. So we look for patterns uh, and we look for things to try and see where we're yeah. missing things. But there's not, I can tell you that there's not a unit within each agency out yeah. there that does what yeah. we do. I think what you're saying about, you know, asking for help is key because, you know, there may be people in situations where they just assume either people know or they may assume that it's, it's just, you know, that there is no way out. I think that's, that's a really big thing for people who are struggling in all circumstances is this feeling that there's no way out, you know? And I think the biggest, the biggest part of this whole campaign, you know, I've said this a, a hundred thousand times now, you know, we wake up every morning and we can get out of bed and we can walk that same path we walked yesterday, or we can choose to walk a different path, whether, you know, we are a victim or whether we are hurting ourselves or whether we're hurting other people, wherever we are, like, there is no, um, there is no absolute, there is no perfection to, to life. Life is about, is about this growth. It's about reaching out. It's about asking for help and um, not only giving it, you know, but receiving it as well. You know, sometimes we all want to help other people. It's really difficult though. When people want to help us, we say, Oof, I'm not worthy. The reality is, is that we're all worthy right. of that help. We're all worthy of that assistance. And as human beings, you know, if we can get down to a place where we can choose to take care of each other, um, and I, you know, I say love, you know, is a, is a choice. When we're eventually, we will do an I choose love um, that will be a professional, cinematic, um, you know, short film, because you know, to me, in my opinion, love is is a sacrifice, you know, and that's a conscious decision whether we're going to choose to make that sacrifice every day or not. It's not just a feeling. You know, and so um, and so that's why I believe so, so hardcore about this idea that, you know, that we need to remind people that no matter what the world tells you you did, no matter what the world tells you you are, 
you know, you have to look inside and find out who you are, you know, and you have to be that and surround yourself with people who can encourage that and nurture that. And if you're around people who are not encouraging that, who are not nurturing that, then, and you stay around with those people, then it's your fault. Right. You know, it's, you know, I can remember being a, being a, a teenager and, my my parents say, you know, you you are who you hang with, right? Um, and and you say, well, no, no, I, you know, just because they did this doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Well, I mean, let's be honest. You're going to become and do the things that the, you know, an average of the people that Absolutely. you spend the most time. Because with. we're influenced by what other um, people think. So if we're hanging around with people who think right. that this is cool, that something bad is not, is, is cool. We're going to think that way. We're going to do those things. We're going to be more subjected to do that. The reality is, is that we need to stop giving a shit about what other people think of us. And that's including our parents, you know, because they're the biggest, yeah. biggest obstacle. Yeah, no. you know, I'm, I'm a parent myself. And I was talking with Eddie one time and I said, man, I said, you know, we are going to screw up our kids. Like that's what happens. We screw up our yeah. kids and our parents yep. screwed us up. You know, the, the thing is that we have to look past all of that, recognize we're all doing the best that we can if our intentions are right, you know, and but right. not give a shit about what other people think. You know, Inte integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's watching, not not to score points on, or likes on Facebook and Instagram. Right. And, you know, it's it's tough to. It's tough to draw a line in the sand sometimes, right? It's tough to set those boundaries with people because there, there, there's a reason why they have influence oh, totally. Totally. over us. Um, so it's really tough to, to draw that line, right? Um, but, you know, you got to do you. And I, I would say, you know, the, the sooner you can figure that out, the better off you'll be. Um, because it'll become easier to be who you really are. Uh, it'll become easier for you to be truthful yeah. with yourself. Um, and, and once you can, can be truthful with yourself, you know, it opens a lot it of doors the, for you. It takes you. the cuffs off. Um, right, right. So um, it's, Taking off the jacket, you know, I mean, whatever, whatever you call it, you know, once you can be, you know, true with who you really are, life gets good. Uh, I'm just getting ready to launch a, a podcast that um, is basically centered around that same idea. Yeah, that's idea. awesome. I hope I get to be a guest because I, I tell you what, I, I would love to have you as a, as a guest. We're on the same page. Um, that's what the, this is what I this is what I love about this. Yeah. You know, I had no intentions of ever doing these Facebook Live episodes every week. I had no intentions of it. Um, but after we released "I Choose Hope," I saw an influx of of emails where people wanted to share their stories, and I said, "Man, I can't I can't get my whole crew and do everyone's story." But through this community. We can have open dialogues. We can have honest conversations with different people who come from different backgrounds and share and talk and learn from each right. other. Yeah, and and my my podcast, Shame or Shameless podcast. That's what I mean. It's everybody has a story. Everybody 
sometimes I think we need to, I think we need to be put on the spot to really dig deep and think, um, you know, about the truth Absolutely. within us and, and to be called out. And, uh, you know, obviously you, you would never do that to somebody to cause or inflict pain or, or, you know, uh, you know, but I think that it is healthy too to even take a moment uh, and and reflect on on yourself to to, to dig that yeah. that stuff up and uh, so yeah you have to you really have to yeah. stretch sometimes and part of that stretching you may have to fire some people from your life for a little bit, you know, you might have to eliminate those negative influences. You might have to, if you're going against the grain, there's always going to be people trying to pull you back. Right. And, and it's easy to be influenced when it's people that we care about, especially. Yeah. I mean, Um, I, you know, you have to live for more than yourself, you know? Um, I think that that's a key, a key factor too, because, if you don't think highly of yourself and the only person you're living for is yourself, it's pretty much a lose-lose. You know, um, when, yeah. you, when you have a higher power, when you have children, when you have responsibilities, when you have other things, um, you can really start to decipher between what's important, what's really important, what kind of feels important, but is not, um, you know, and that's, I think that's important in, in all of our, in all of our growth. You know, if you're seeking to grow, um, you have to, you have to have, you have to have control, not over other people, but over yourself. That's the greatest control you can have is over yourself, you know? And as human beings, man, we, we, we face it, we face it all. We have animalistic instincts. Um, there's good, there's bad in all of us, you know, but having control of that and knowing, knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, man, that separates, you know, the good from the great. Yeah, and and you know, if if you're missing something, you can you can. I always say, you know, what we pour into our what we pour into our heads, right, will come out eventually. So, um, you know, if there's things that you want to improve on, self study is, you know, right there at the top and. Um, you know, there's, there's always ways to, it it takes some true time with yourself to, to change things for yourself. Absolutely. And Um, in part of that growth and part of that change, I think that one of the most important things that I've learned very, very recently, you know, is not to compare yourself to other people, but to compare yourself to who you were yesterday. That's the only comparison you need to make. It's a, it's, yeah, far too often we, you know, we we all have this preconceived idea of what we're supposed to be um, to the world, and we lose so much in trying to be that sometimes uh, that, you know, it doesn't allow us to speak our truth. Love it, man. I love it. Um, so for people out there who are loving this episode, please tag somebody who needs, you know, who needs to hear this stuff. Uh, leave some comments where you're from. If you guys have any questions, we are speaking 
with Chris and I'm going to do a, um, uh, you know, if you do have any questions, please leave a question in the comment. We'll ask Chris. Um, we have some comments here right now where we have uh, Melissa says, we have the luxury to think that from where we are now, but I do remember not feeling. I had choices when I was 12, 13, 14, 16, 17, 18, living a very asset limited life and surrounded by some people that weren't on the right path. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, in our adolescence, I think when we're, uh, <laughs> when we're 16, 17, 18 years old, I mean, we have to recognize that we're, we're, we're kids at that time, you know? Uh, and we're, we're learning about ourselves and our environments and the people around us. And we're, we're going through all those emotions then add, add a dash of puberty in there. <laughs> Sometimes it could be kind of crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, honestly, I just feel that like, I'm really, really grateful that we had an opportunity to speak. And I, you know, if there's any questions, now's the time to leave some comments, guys. Um, but Chris, my question to you is, um, I feel that you are, you are one, you're a special person who is, is striving for more. You're striving for more in your career. You're striving for more in your personal life. Um, and that's beautiful to see because I mean, I'm on the same path, man. I'm on the journey, you know? So, um, you know, is there anything specifically that you wanted to make sure that you had an opportunity to say on this Facebook live? Well, Ron, I would like to, I would like to just kind of, you know, touch back on shame or shameless yep. a little bit um, because that's something that is coming up rather quickly. And it's very, uh, Michael, I, I have to tell you um, when I found out about your show and I started watching through, I'm going, Holy smokes, this, this guy's doing what I'm working on here that I haven't launched yet. It, it, you know, um, so Shame or Shameless podcast is going it, to, it's, it's going to be a very similar podcast. I'm, I'm starting, uh, it's going to be an audio show only in the beginning, uh, but eventually we'll be moving to video. Uh, but we're going to be featuring uh, different Love guests it. each week to, to, to share their stories, right? Because we all have we all have gifts to share with the world. Uh, and a lot of times uh, people don't have that platform Absolutely. to tell their story. Again, guys, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast. It's super, super helpful for you guys to subscribe, give us a review, um, and you can follow us on all of our services at I Choose Series on Instagram, on Facebook, now the podcast, and yes, the podcast is now also available on the I Choose Series YouTube as well. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in, and thank you so much for the love and the support. Visit www.ichoose.one because it's one choice that can change our life forever. I know I keep saying it, but I believe it, and I'm not just saying it. I'm living it. Thanks so much. Talk soon.